I'm going to pretend to call you. And then um, after I do that, I'll say hello. And then, you know, you know how it goes. You just tell me. Okay. Um, Wait, no, no, just your intro, whatever your intro was. Wait, I'm answering the phone, right? You're answering the phone, yeah. Hello. Hey, hey, is this Faith? Now be this. <laughs> Your face when you were doing that. <laughs> I went into auntie mode. It literally looked like, you know when an yeah, auntie has the phone tilted? <laughs> when the auntie has the phone tilted, so you just see the top of her head. That's what it looked like. <laughs> oh, Faith. Uh, Thank you for, um, what am I even saying? We only shot. Are you ready to start the show? Wait, start the show? Yeah, we're starting the show. Listen, everybody, blessing is a liar. This is the end of the <laughs> show. I'm about to leave, but welcome to the show that's already happened. This is my friend Faith, and she's going to be on the podcast today. I'm crying now because she's trying to bait out everything. It's fine. It's fine. Beginning of the show is the beginning of the show. Okay, bye. Wow. You said getting black people into employment. Mm-hmm. So what exactly what exactly is this? Can you talk about it? Okay. Wait, has the podcast started? Oh yeah. You're lying. <laughs> listen, that's not fair. Listen. Me. Not, listen, everyone that comes on this show, they think they know the order of how things come, <laughs> but they don't know. Don't worry, oh, okay. Spontan- spontaneity. I so, so can you tell us more? Can you tell me more about the um right. the black employment thing you're working on at work? Okay, right? so basically, I work in a charity, and we're partnered with a black charity, who, yeah, they just focus on black issues and kind of supported black people. So the big big project is, it's funded by um guys in St Thomas's Hospital, and basically, we've done a lot of looking into literature about why it is that black people, especially black people with long term health conditions and especially black people with mental health conditions are not getting into work, even though they're looking for work, and why it is that the support that's available doesn't actually support them, um, and a lot of the time it actually backfires. So we're trying to, we're basically having like discussions about how to go around it. We involve people in the community. We've got community researchers, such as Davino, who is our mutual friend, and then we've got people like me. I'm just a I'm a peer researcher, so that means I use my experience of mental health in my research, but I don't necessarily work with the community. And then we've got like academic researchers as well. So we all work together to kind of figure out what it is that we want to focus on to help support Black people into employment. And the funding process that we're going through at the moment is like, we're going to talk to individuals or like organisations about their ideas and basically give them some cash dollar. We've got like three hundred thousand pounds um, to spend. Well done. 
Yeah, it's a lot of money in it. I should apply. When I hear about the money sometimes, I'm just like, wow, maybe I could have an organization myself. Yeah, I feel that. (laughs) Sometimes the contracts people bring into into my work and they're like, oh, you know, we signed for so-so-so. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should. Maybe I can start a company that needs some educational content. Literally. But this sounds amazing. So... Uh, so you right now you're in the the like the beginning process of it. It's not like you've chosen the yeah. And this is kind of where the conflicts are arising because everybody has their different ideas, and mm-hmm. some people are, are a lot more invested than other people. But some people, like we were, the last conversation we had was like conflict of interest. Like if you have your your own organization, are you allowed to apply? The answer was no. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some people weren't happy. But it is what it is, and just like the process of, like if you're recruit, if you're if you're telling someone to come and apply for money, will you then be allowed to be included in the decision making process? Stuff like that. But mm. the main issue is that a lot of people have different ideas of what is going to work best for Black people, and no matter how good an organization is, someone is not going to think it's a good organization. That's true. This is interesting. I'm like, like I, I've always heard you talk about the ins and outs of your of your job, but and knowing that what you're doing is centered around Black people, mm-hmm. but it, like it excites me because I feel like I know people in my life who are currently looking for work, especially because of everything going on. But they're currently looking for work and they found it difficult. And then I've like I've I've known people who mental health has also played like a part in them not being able to find work as well, and like on top of being black and also adding mental health that's just like what well, I was listening to uh, I was listening to a podcast called I think it's called um black girls living yeah yeah black girls living I love that podcast and they had a therapist on in this week's episode and she's talking about how with black people we have like everyone in life has a backpack so and as they're running the, they're running a race with the backpack and, you know, everyone has their you know their things they go through you know trauma life and everything so those are bricks in your backpack on top of the regular bricks everyone have, Black people have the effects of racism in the backpack. And then if you think about people with mental health, they have like the mental health bricks in their backpack. So it's just a weight that slows people. It's like all this extra, like, oh. Exactly. Yeah. Even being, being a Black woman as well, extra bricks, brick. carry everything. Yeah. Huh? yeah, it's a lot. Even me, like I have, I think I identify more with being... I guess this this intersectionality thing, like I'm a black woman, but I feel like my mental health is, has affected me more than being a black, like being black with mental health problems to me is something that's bigger than me being black and a woman. But I think that's actually because being a woman, like 50% of the population are women. It's something that is just, it's just there. Mental health is something that's like recently popping up, even though people have had mental health for time. And um, probably more than 50% of the population have had experiences with mental health or like having bad mental health. But this thing, like being a woman, it's like we've known the struggles of being a woman since. Um, And everybody is aware, even though nothing is really getting done about it. But on on the other hand, mental health is still like this ambiguous thing that nobody really understands. Even people with mental health issues, like we don't understand someone else's issues. with It's... It's like that's the one that probably has affected me more and drew me more to the job. Mm-hmm. Like literally, when I was looking for this job, I literally searched like black mental health and I found it. And I was like, this is the one. <laughs> this is the one. 
and hearing about stories is mad. It's so crazy. So what... I mean, you mentioned your own experiences with mental health. I don't know if you want to like dive into that a little bit. Obviously, anything you're, anything you're not comfortable with, you don't have to talk about. But like, what has been your experiences with mental health? Like, in terms of finding help or finding support and resources out there. So for me, mental health has been in like bad mental health has been in my life before I even knew that it was bad mental health. Like from literally as far back as I can remember. I've had mental health struggles, particularly depression. Like growing up, I was just depressed. And I was talking in the group chat the other day actually about autism and about how mm. I had experience. I remember that, yeah. yeah. And it was like growing up, like when I look back now, I don't know if it was because I don't want to self diagnose myself with autism, but mm. I kind of looking back, it's like, wow, I didn't have the kind of instincts to know how to socialize as other people. I kind of like made it up as I went along by cop- copying what other people were doing and nobody would have known because I was so good at copying it. Mm. And to me, it's like, was that depression or was that something else? Because like, it's kind of the same kind of symptoms and people have been telling me that people with autism, especially women, they tend to get misdiagnosed with mental health conditions. But still, let me talk about depression because I've been diagnosed with depression. I haven't been diagnosed with something else. So yeah, when I got to uni is when it like reached a peak and I was like, it was literally like my brain was frying, like so many thoughts, so many just like, I can't even like think back to what I was feeling at the time. I just knew that like literally it felt like my brain was going to explode with like how severe the depression was. So then I had to go to a doctor. Um, This was at uni. They make you fill out some questionnaire. Um, and that's basically all that the doctor does. The doctor themselves, they don't know much about mental health, to be honest. Um, so then I got referred to, or not even referred to, they give you a number to call to sign up for like therapy. Um, I tried to sign up for just normal therapy counselling. They said the waiting list was going to be very, very long, so I couldn't be bothered. Then I signed up for CBT because the waiting list for that was only about two weeks. And I went to the first session and it was just a little cute white lady. Um, and I didn't like her. <laughs> she was very nice, but I didn't like her. She was too calm. I was like, I'm here with my struggles. Yeah, I don't even know how to begin to explain it. I felt like I was in nursery, like I was in Balamori or something. It was just so, I felt patronised almost because everything, it just seemed too, too nice and too, like, fairy tale like I don't know but I wanted to get into the nitty-gritty of my problems and I didn't think she was the right person for that especially because I had to talk like talking about race to someone that's not black or even just to someone that's not colored in general is um that's labor in itself that you don't mm-hmm. really deal with especially when you're going through stuff so I didn't go back another thing as well she gave me homework to do and I was like, I can't do it because I can't even do my uni work. Why are you giving me homework? It didn't make sense. But yeah, I never went back to that. Um, I ended up going back to the doctor again, got onto antidepressants and stayed on those for like six months. But then I was like, I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. Mm. especially such strong medication. So I Googled it. They said, after if you, if you come off, if you come off of it after six months, then you have the most, um, you're most likely to have like longer term effects from it. 
So it came off after six months. Luckily, my mental health stayed, stayed. it wasn't stable. I thought it was stable at the time because it was better than when it, what it was before. But um, yeah, luckily it didn't go back down again. So came off antidepressants. Um, and then I just started living my best life. I was like, I don't want to be miserable. I need to do stuff for myself. And that was around the age when I was like, I think I was like 20. This was like two years after I got like properly diagnosed. And I was just like, let me just start doing stuff for myself and trying not to care about anything. Because I feel like mm-hmm. that's like the top, like the epitome of like being happy is just not caring. No matter what you're doing, if you don't care about other people's opinions, you can be happy. So yeah, I just started doing stuff for myself. Started going to random workshops. Um, I went vegan around this time, which I'm, I'm still trying to be vegan, trying. Um, started traveling by myself. I went on like, I think last year I went on like four holidays by myself, which was a crazy experience. I still can't believe I did it. But all of it, like just kind of finding myself because I couldn't, like this time two years ago, I would never, if someone asked me about myself, I wouldn't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. So it's like for me, finding myself and learning more about myself, challenging myself, seeing what I can do and what I can't, or not what I can't do, but what I might not be able to do right now is kind of like, it help, It just helps me be me and feel free. So yeah, and then I, I started working in mental health as well. I first started working in supported living with people with mental health and learning disabilities. And I moved to a mental health hospital, which was like amazing. It's like, it's such an experience working in a mental health hospital. There are things that you witness, like I've had people screaming in my face. I've had people threaten to hurt me, but it's like, I don't know. At the same time, you still just feel sorry for them. Or not actually, let me not use that word. I don't feel sorry for them. It's just like you guys are in an unfortunate position. Like you guys have been through a lot yourselves to get to where you are. Because it's not just one day someone wakes up and decides to that they want to assault someone or they want to murder someone. Like there's a lot that happens before that. It's like a cycle. So I think people often forget that when um they're dealing with people that have some but maybe someone has committed like a really serious crime because I used to work with a lot of people that have committed a lot of um, serious crimes it's like they've had their history is 10 times worse than what they've done like what's happened to them is 10 times worse than what they've done and that that job kind of just forced me to put things into perspective like that like I wasn't I couldn't do the job if I was going to judge people so yeah it was just an interesting experience and now I'm working as a researcher in the same field, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> I'm no. no, this is what I love this because I think a lot of the times you've talked about mental health, just like in the group chat or casually to each other, I've never like heard you go into as much depth in terms of like the chronological order of how things happen and how you've gotten into like the work you do now. And I've always been, I've always wondered to myself as well, Blaine, I was like, I know, I know she did bad man, but like, what led her to like work in this area? <laughs> I hated my degree with a passion. Lord have mercy. You are like, I, every bioman person I talked to, they either really loved it or they really hated it or they, or it was the workload. Like all the biomed, like I used to, the majority of my friends used to be biomed people and I was just there like in my humanities bag, like, hey, but every time I just oh. see them in the library, like just, sitting over 
In fact, I saw you guys in the library just sitting over your papers, like just yeah. going through. And I was like, and I was literally, if you saw me in the library, I wasn't doing work. I was literally just looking at it, <laughs> like what, <laughs> what brought me to this place? Why am I here? Because <laughs> honestly, I hate, I hated it. And the fact that the workload is so much for anyone that's considering doing biomed and they're listening to this, the workload is a lot. So prepare yourself. If you're not really, really interested in it, you're gonna suffer. And <laughs> um, yeah. I said that we're going to suffer, so be careful. Make sure you're. I mean, teach the people because that you enter uni thinking it'll go one way, and then you can be surprised. That's true. That's true. let me not speak on behalf of other people. No, but at the same time, people need that advice, they need that experience. It's always good hearing someone who's been through it. Yeah, especially because you're 18 years old, or even you're 17 when you start thinking when you start choosing. Mm. That is young. To do something, commit to something for three years that technically you're supposed to commit to for the rest of your life. Exactly. I used to think about that. I was like, the whole system we have here, I used to envy the American system because they do a thing where you can be undecided basically till like your final year and then you'll be like, okay, let me choose a degree. Is that like like minors and majors? Yeah, yeah, that whole like minors and majors thing. And I was like, because... I was still unsure about my degree in second year, but I was like, I mean, I've missed the, I've missed the boat now, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I can't start again. Thankfully, I ended up loving it, but yeah, 18 is like, to pick your undergrad at 18, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say you should aim high, like aim at an uh, older age still, because even at 20, I feel like the rest of your life deciding on a degree. But then again, you don't need to decide the rest of your life on your degree. Yeah, but then the money... <laughs> You're paying for it for the rest of your life. It's true. Oh. But I don't know if I... I don't regret. You don't regret it? No, I don't regret going to university. I kind of... Because, like, the experience is just... is priceless. Hmm. Even though, like, I was depressed for the most part. But at the same time, like, leaving the home like that... I don't know if it's a good thing, actually. Because there's a lot of experience that people might have that they don't regret. Because it may have... No, no, go no, I was gonna say it's like there's a lot of experience that I've, experiences that I've had that I don't regret because I feel like it made me a stronger person, but that mm. doesn't necessarily mean that it was a good experience. But it was life changing, I would say. Mm. Yeah, that life experience one. Like, do you would you have rather would you rather live with the fact that that thing happened or you went through that thing or would you would you even still be the same person if that thing didn't happen? I don't, I don't know. Exactly. I don't think, I don't know if I'll be the same person. I don't know. I feel like mm. university just opens you up to a lot of different things mm. that I might not have thought about if I was just staying here in my hometown. Mm. I in agree. In my hometown. <laughs> do you know that song? I do not. It's Adele. It's a nice song. I like how you look at me like it's Adele. Like you're trying to romance me through the screen. <laughs> I wish I knew the lyrics. I would sing the whole song. Yeah, I would give you the platform. Um, but do you think that uni would have because you said you mentioned how you went to see a doctor at uni when you were like when your depression was at a certain point? Do you think that you would have done that if you had stayed at home, or do you think that wouldn't have been a thing? It wouldn't have. Home? And you know what? Mm-hmm. When I came home and I had to get a repeat this um, res- prescri- prescription, prescription of, um, yeah. the antidepressants, I went to my home GP. And I was scared to go because I've been to this GP since I was young. Mm. They know my whole family and he's a Nigerian GP. 
And also my mum's worked there as well, because my mum's a nurse, she's worked there. And I was like, what is this Nigerian uncle going to say to me about depression? Just because, you know, the taboo of mm. mental health in Nigerian culture, Nigerian family. So I went to the, I went to the, um, I called up to get repeat, repeat prescription. They said I have to have an appointment, which I don't know why, but I had the appointment. And he looked at me and he said, why are you taking antidepressants? You're not depressed. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, I didn't even know what to say to that. It was just, I don't even remember what I said. Or like, I know I came out with the prescription in the end. Like mm. that's such a like, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe the experience of going to a doctor. And you don't, you don't know me like that. You might have seen me since I was young. But that's another thing with depression. Nobody knew I was depressed when I was depressed. Like, that's not... Am I supposed to be walking around with depression stamped on my forehead? <laughs> like, why would you... And that's you like, see a lot of people with a sign on their head if that was the case. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Oh, I said we would see a lot more people with that sign on their head exactly, if that was the case. Exactly. Like, depression can be very invisible to other people, and that's part of the problem. I've heard that. Like, a lot of... I don't know. I think a lot of my knowledge about mental health thankfully came from podcasts and thankfully I started listening to podcasts in uni which was when I was trying to expand my mind as well but one of the podcasts I listened to one of the hosts she talks about how she basically had I don't I think it's called high functioning depression Mm -hmm. where she was like she was just living her life she thought she, she didn't really think she was depressed so she went to the doctor and they were like yeah you are suffering with depression or you you do have depression and she it start she started to connect the dots like oh it makes sense why I react this way or I'm I feel this way when things happen or I resort to doing this as a result of things happening. That's and then it started, it started me thinking like, I mean, how, how would I know if I was or wasn't depressed? That's interesting to say because I could never imagine being depressed and not knowing I was depressed. But mm-hmm. then I guess if it's your norm, I don't know. Because like I said, I didn't, when I was younger, I didn't know it was depression. I just thought like my life just sucked and that was it. But at the same time, so I know that there's something wrong because I feel I don't feel right and other people seem to be okay, but mm. then you don't know if people are okay or not. I don't know. This thing is just confusing. <laughs> you know, that's always my question. Sometimes I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, is it just me or is everyone going through some because I like me myself, I'm like, I know I should see someone, I should talk to someone, but I'm like, maybe I'm just maybe I'm okay. I feel like if you question it then you should go and see someone. Um, yeah, that's, that's the point. I but I think I'm, I'm also of the thought that everyone should, at some point in their life, go, like, have therapy because I feel it's just it's just needed to... Having a person who does not know you but who is open to allowing you to talk through whatever issue might be, whether it's big or small, whether you want to just talk through your life, I feel like it's just a necessary thing that people should be able to go through. I agree. It's so, it's so needed to have that mm. impartial... I feel like that's what I. I feel like that's actually all I needed when I was growing up because I never used to talk to people about my problems. I'm that kind of mm. person. Like I just hold it in, and then it's one day, one day in 2018 where I like broke down in front of my mom, and she forced me to talk to her, mm. and that was like I was like, wow, I actually feel better, and it's like it's not like my problems are solved, but like just being able to feel free enough. And not feel the guilty and the burden of all of your problems. They're not problems. It's you. Like you should be. You should feel free to be able to talk about yourself and your life. 
and not feel like you're going to be judged in it. I think that's that's kind of where my depression stemmed from. So even though I have, there was like so many issues going on in my life, but like if I was able to talk about it, that would have been the difference between me sitting in my room crying by myself and me just like going about my life and accepting that this is just the way that my life is and I can I can rise above it. So yeah, I wish I wish I had had access to that kind of. But then, like so a lot of people, just have that naturally. Social networks, their family. Yeah. But a lot of, especially black people, our families mm. are not very good. Ooh, on it. <laughs> I, I remember talking to a family friend, and she'd recently like she stopped having therapy, but she, I think, she started going through it at some point, like because her work provider or something like that. And we were just talking, and she was like, Nigerians, like. We we all need therapy, and I was like, oh yeah, you're telling oh, me. She's like, like black people, we all need therapy. Like the trauma that, even cross generational, like, oh my gosh, just the trauma that is all existing within us. Like we need to release it, and then it just it makes me laugh. Actually, it's not even funny. The fact that a lot of therapy is not accessible to people from who are lower income because it can be quite expensive if you're not going through the NHS. But then it's the people who are in like lower income positions who are most likely to like, I mean, everyone needs therapy, but who have like a lot of shit that they would need to get off of their chest or would need to talk to someone about. This is, shall I throw in some statistics? Uh, <laughs> you know, yes, please, bring the facts. Sorry. So black people are most likely, actually, okay, let me, this statistic first. Black people are less likely to be registered with a GP. I think in Lambeth, because most of the work I do is in Lambeth, um, I think it was like 17% of black people are registered with a GP. I don't mm-hmm. Don't hold me to that. I don't know. I don't know if, wait, I, I can open up the report right now, but I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> in comparison to the amount of people, black people that are diagnosed with serious mental health conditions, it's like the disparity is enormous. Like more... It's basically like black people, they don't seek help for mental health until they literally get sectioned and it's too late for them to receive help because they're already now institutionalized. Right. So it's like, that's kind of the stuff that we're working on in our project. Like how come it takes so much for black people to receive help? And there's so, there's so many things in society that stop us from receiving the help. Like for example, when I went when I went to get therapy and it's this little white lady who would never understand what it's like to be black. And another thing is like, there's no black psychologists. There's very, very few. I think it was like, um, of all of the um, black people that apply for clinical psychology, it's like 2% or 4% of them actually meet the criteria. What is this criteria? It's like 80 80 something percent of white people that apply and meet the criteria. Why are black people not meeting the criteria? We need them. Mm-hmm. need them because all of the mm-hmm. black all of the people that are in the mental health um, institutions they're black when what I was working in mental true? health they're all black and yeah. there's so many young black boys so many young black boys and when I see them I'm like this like you could be someone that I knew um and it's like the things that they they say about them like the staff the things that they say about them like they're so aggressive and they're so whatever they're so this and they're so that. It's like, these are, like, they're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're not. And seeing that firsthand but not being able to do anything, that's part of the reason that I had to leave that job is because you can't help them. There's so many rules. It's so strict. I can't do anything 
like even just building relationships with them is difficult because there's so many boundaries that the job sets in place. And when I left, I felt so, so bad. I felt bad, like leaving them there. But I had to. Uh, you mentioned sec- like, uh, I can't remember what the actual statistic was, but you mentioned the, was it? No, that's the white people. You mentioned that, <laughs> I'm confused about statistics and my people. Um, I, I remember hearing a statistic about how black men are more likely to be sectioned, but I don't know the actual number, which I mean, so take that with a pinch of salt, but I feel like that is a correct statistic. But more, more likely to be sectioned than white people. Or white, yeah. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. This is the disparities are really, really, really crazy. And I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that white people are, they're more likely to receive help before it gets to that stage. Um, Mm, It's that thing where we're viewed as like, quote unquote, stronger or like more aggressive or there's just like, they can't, oh, there's something, this, this attitude that you're exhibiting, it's aggression and there must be something wrong. So we have to deal with you. Like how black boys are more harshly dealt with in school as well because they're seen as more aggressive or more violent mm-hmm. than white and people whole... are scared of them exactly especially when you have like white teachers or like white people who are so like in this case white healthcare professionals who are the one diagnosing them thinking like ah no this seems like a problem so instead of actually talking to them or helping them figure the whatever they're going through out their instant reaction is to just section them or you know give them like put them on medication straight away instead of giving them therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to exclude them and not have to deal with them anymore. But I'm looking mm-hmm. at the statistics now in my <laughs> in my report. So it's, uh, black people are disproportionately represented in mental health settings and make up 7% of the... Po- so in Lambeth, they're 7% of the population registered with a GP, but they're 17% of people that have a serious mental illness. So 7% of black people are registered with a GP, but of all of the people that have a serious mental illness, they're 17% black. Mm. So there's more people with um, serious mental illness that, that have than have even registered with the GP in terms of proportions. Yeah. And like nothing is, mm. everything is still designed around white people. Like yeah. not, not set up to help, to help black people at all. Yeah, I think of that story that was going around like at the beginning of of the pandemic that people were talking about like the symptoms of coronavirus and one person actually called up because they were called, I think they called the hospital or something because they were worried they had corona. And then they were like, oh, when you turn blue, call us back. And then the guy was black and he's like, I mean, I can't turn blue. Mm-hmm. But the lady she was like, when you turn blue, call us back. And then it started that whole discussion about how the mental health system is like centered around whiteness because with symptoms, a lot of them are like, they talk about, oh, if you see like blue veins, but I mean, you can see our veins, but they're not going to be as pronounced as like a white person. It's like all the symptoms had like whiteness underlying them. So people were like, so how do you diagnose me? Because that's why some, and people were linking that to like why black people are so, are more likely to like die or like suffer or not be diagnosed as quickly than their white counterparts when they go to hospital and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
Did you see that article recently about um, black babies? Or like, was it four times more likely to die in the hands of a white doctor yeah. than a yeah. black doctor? A baby, that. not even. I don't know what I, I feel like I'm just gonna have to have home births and like hire like a black midwife or something. Mm-hmm. Just this healthcare system, just this system is just it doesn't every you know what this whole fucking system, not even just healthcare, just doesn't care about us. Literally. Literally. And it's like black people don't even have the funds to hire their own people. So we have to <laughs> we're most likely to have to rely on these terrible systems. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's like a it's just a cycle of constant oppression. Yeah. I wonder I know that there was a book that came out recently and I can't remember who it was, but it was a black doctor, like a young black doctor, who wrote a book about um basically he wrote basically wrote a book to advise white doctors on how to diagnose their black patients or mm-hmm. how to like treat their black patients. And I was like looking at him and it was probably like in his 20s. So maybe a little bit older than us. And I was like, you really had to come into this system and try and upend it after all these years of training you've had. So I'm thinking about the people who probably won't read that book and already had all these years of training that he knows for a fact is built on racism and will not serve his people. But he's like, okay, I have to do something about it. But then the people who don't read the book or who don't even look into that will just continue like perpetuating what that system has put in place. Uh-huh. And he can't even cover everything anyway. So there was yeah. still be I don't know, it's just like why? <laughs> why bless him? Why? I don't know, I don't know. Oh gosh, what did we do to deserve I this? I, I mean, I guess be black. Like I mean Beyonce and to be honest, I could always call Beyonce, but she said something in Black Parade about like, is it because of my black skin? And I was like, yeah, that you. Hate. She says, "I'm like, is it because of my black skin that you hate us?" And I was like, "I, I guess it is, Beyonce." Uh-huh. It is, and I don't know what, like where. What well, I was going to say, I don't know where this all started. It's obviously it all started colonialism. And I mean, and let's let's pull out the book <gasps> every time. Every time someone was like, "How do how did we get here?" I'm like, pull out the book of colonialism. Yeah, but for me, still, it's like this. I don't know, just racism in general. It just feels like they're jealous. I feel like racist people are just jealous. Mm. But at the same time, I don't really care about individual cases of racism. Like, people walking down the street, like, oh, are you N-word or whatever? I don't care about you because you're just stupid. But it's when we get down to, like, the institutional stuff, the organisational stuff, where it's like, this thing is so big. It's so big that it clouds everything and it feels normal. And that's the problem because people will go through life thinking that the system is just the way it is without questioning why it is that way in the first place. And that's how I was going about before all of this Black Lives Matter. Mm. When it came about, I was like, wait, this stuff affects me? And then I was like, (laughs) (laughs) that put me in a bad place because I was like, everything, every day is like, is different for me because I'm Black. And mm. I haven't been thinking about it. Now all of a sudden, everything is in my face. It's quite crazy. It's quite- it is. I feel like that. I don't. I feel like every black person has that moment where they re they realize, oh, so yeah, it is because I'm black, or like it really hits them 
Like, yeah, so this is something my white friends or the white people I work with, they don't get it. But because I'm black, this is something I instantly, I instantly try to adapt for. It's just become second nature to me. Like, I have to make sure, like, like, oh, okay, I want to make sure that the people see me smile when I'm walking around because uh-huh. I don't want to give off the impression that, you know, I have a bad attitude or, oh, I need to, you know, make sure that my hair is looking the best it looks so that somebody doesn't say that I look unprofessional. Uh-huh. I have to send a hundred smiley faces every email because I don't want someone to think that I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tell them to do something, I'm impolite or whatever. It's, it's a lot that we don't and you know what I feel like I've kind of gotten back to that stage of not thinking about it anymore which I don't know if mm. it's, I think it's a bad thing I've gotten back to like scrolling past posts about race I feel like I've had enough but I like mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think it's it's just the because as with everything like after a certain time period especially because things are now opening up again people will try and find other ways to distract themselves or go back to the status quo. Mm. I think it's natural, but I like, I catch myself doing it as well. Like I, I'm maybe not signing as many petitions as I was like a few months ago. I'm not donating as much, but I think it just needs to be a constant thing where we remind ourselves like this revolution isn't over. Like we can't, we can't, we can't let up. We can't get mm, our foot on the next. Sure. Otherwise they're going to start sliding back and being like, Oh, they don't mind it when we, uh, put coolest monkey in the jungle on a jungle. Mm. They, don't, they don't they don't mind it that we don't have black plasters you know everything nude is white tone mm. they, don't, they don't mind it that you know uh doctors don't really care about them in hospitals like we got it's got to be consistent and i get that like it's hard because we we see it we live it and then we're also seeing it and living it in like the social media space or is meant to be like our pace of peace or just being able to zone out but any way that we can carry on fighting because I'm I'm not done. I'm still, I mean, I'm, I feel like it's a constant state of rage, to be honest. You just yeah. recognize it when you recognize it and then you take let it take a backseat when you, when you want to let it take a backseat. I guess it's for me, it's like the stuff that I feel like I can't do anything about. But I don't know if that's a, I don't want to have that attitude in the first place. But if I see mm-hmm. it and I feel like, like, for example, this, um, what's his name, Blake? Like that, part, he was shot by police. Um, you know, I haven't even read it properly because I keep scrolling past it. I'm like, I'll make time for it to read through it. It's, I think, today I've just been seeing it all over my timeline. Um, you know what? I've been doing like these past two days, I've been taking like a social media break. So I saw something pop up on my phone about someone getting shot, and I was like, I just let it go because I, I told myself I need to stay off social media for a few days. But yeah, what's the story? Listen, I'm trying to find the story. I don't even know what the story is. I know that he, I think he got shot by police and like he's in critical condition or something. But I keep seeing pictures of him and his children popping up on, on my social media. But like I keep talking about it because it's like I can't. I don't feel like I have the mental capacity to go through it at this point, and um, because I feel helpless. Like I can't do anything about it. So why am I reading about it? Mm. But at the same time, it's like. Can I yeah. just think about it? Should I think more about what I can do? Mm. I think that one, like making sure that you take your breaks and you allow yourself to not be constantly surrounded and constantly like battered with the news of someone else being like killed at the hands of police or the hands of racist white people or whatever. But I think it's just important to 
get back on get back on that metaphorical horse in any little way you can, whether that's like signing a petition or doing something. But at the same time, like protect your peace as well. You can yeah. only do what you can do when you're not and you can only do what you can do, but at the same time, you have to look after yourself. Like you can't be running on fumes and being like marching every day if you're meant if you're not if you're not right, then yeah. you're not right. And you have to recognize when you're not doing okay. Yeah, especially because it's my job as well. It's like I'm dealing with I'm dealing with it twenty four seven, and sometimes I have to have like difficult conversations in my organization as well because I am the only black person. Even though we're working with in partnership with um, black organizations, so I think maybe that's me doing my bit. To be honest, I feel like it's kind of it's kind of like. It's mad to me though that you in an organization, and I know you've mentioned this before, but in an organization that's partnering with other black charities which have black people in them, that you have to be like the black in the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's been that's so many been one person's job. There's been so many discussions surrounding that. And I don't even know anymore. It's kind of it was really difficult at the start. And I started just before um, the murder of George Floyd happened. And mm. it was something that I didn't feel comfortable talking about because I was like, okay, I'm the only black person here, but it's not really my place to say that I'm the only black person here. That's how I felt at the time. Then um, BLM like rose up again and I was like, okay, I need to speak about it because this is important. And the organization is trying to be, they're trying to do more stuff like pro-black stuff but they need to look at themselves. So I ended up speaking on how I felt like I was the black face of the organisation. And I'm not going to delve too much into that because we've already had so many, so many discussions about it, but like, it's just, I don't know, especially because it's mental health and we know that black people are more affected by mental health issues and I'm the only black person here. Why is it only now? that now you want to hire a black person like you've been on this project before I started you've had to you've had time to think about it you've had time to hire more people but it's only now you're needing help with with integrating yourself into the project that now you want to hire a black person and they also said that they actually didn't look because I was like you I I felt like they hired me because I was black and they said they actually didn't look at um names and ethnicities when they were hiring people and the last two people was it was between me and a white guy and I was in my head thinking is it better that I you hired me um, as a black person and I felt like I was a black face or would it have been better that you hired a white person and not have looked at um, ethnicity and all of that and that is kind of part of the battle of even the project that we're doing now like should people give, like, because, okay, so Black people are less likely to have the, the right experience and the qualifications, etc. just because of the, the way the system's set up. So should we now um, prioritise Black people when we're, when, when we're, like, looking at job applications? Or should we say we're not going to look at it and we're going to have a fair playing ground, which is not actually fair? Because... Um, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, because then some black people they don't want to be prioritized over a white person because it looks like now they have to be grateful for being in that position. Like they would have, they could have got anyway, or like they have, 
they don't want to have that kind of pity party. But at the same time, like, it's not an even playing ground. Like, black people need more opportunities because, or even it should have started a long time before. Like, it shouldn't have gotten to the point where black people need to be prioritised. Like, That's the point, yeah. Yeah. That's what, like, I think of the analogy or, like, the diagram of runners starting on a track. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody, if everyone started at the same, like, place on the track, then, yeah, fine, everyone should be able to get the opportunities they want and it should all be equal. But if one person, so the white runner, was placed, like, 100 metres ahead of everyone else on the track and then everyone was trying to catch up to this white runner, but the white runner's already 100 metres ahead, then it's not going to be equal if everyone is... Because we're all on the same track, but you started 100 metres ahead of me, so yeah. how am I meant to get to the same level as you in the same amount of time? I mean, I'm I, yeah, like, I, I I get the... I understand the argument of, like, what everyone wanting to be treated equally, but I also... I'm, never, I'm not going to be like, oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't have like schemes and things that uh, that are just suited for black people or just suited for Asian people or like are just suited for like minority groups. I put that in quotes because I don't really like the term minority, but anyway, that aren't just suited for these groups because we have already experienced like oppression and setbacks from the group that is the, the group in power. So anything that allows us to at least get to a closer level, then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we're not as, like, we won't be good in the role or that you're just hiring us because you're Black. It's you're giving us the opportunity to be in a place and do just as good, if not even better. But because you wouldn't have had that opportunity if you just kept the playing field, like, quote-unquote, equal. Exactly. Because the potential is there. Mm. Potential has been there. But we're not given the opportunity to showcase that potential is what the problem is. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I wonder, are your job like, I mean, I don't know how much you can say, but so are they looking into hiring more black people or is the, the so, situation also? So they know? hired, um, they ended up hiring community researchers oh, right. all black for the project, but then it still feels kind of um, they and them. But I'm kind of in the middle because I work, I work on the project and I also work on other stuff in the company. Um, but now they've got these um, three, I think it's three, three black community researchers and their contract is only three months. So it doesn't feel like they're really a part of the organisation. But in terms of like hiring properly, I don't think, I don't know. There's one position that came up recently that is a full-time contract, permanent contract. Um, hopefully they hire one of the, it's internal, so hopefully they hire one of the community researchers to do that. But we've also been having conversations, like we've started having conversations about how to, like the hiring process and whether they need to figure out different ways to advertise so that more black people can see it or just like changing and altering the application process. So then they haven't spoke specifically about hiring more black people. They've spoken actually in the trust, the board of trustees, they're bringing in black people because they're the ones that make the decisions. Like I think in the charity legally, everything has to go through the board of trustees. So they're bringing in black people to kind of help with those decisions. And yeah, they send an action plan I need to read. <laughs> so uh, yeah. 
I'm a bit behind. They're giving me too much work, too much work to do. No, that's okay. And you've also got your thriving mask business. So, you know, you're balancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get yeah. Uh, shout out to Face Mask. I'm going to put the link in the description. Thank she you. Makes and, you know, masks that are safe, stylish, and affordable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> make, sure you, make sure you hashtag Face <laughs> You can go to my Instagram, F E J T H. Everybody always asks me, why, why am I spelling my name like that? It's because when I was younger, I used to play World of Warcraft and there was this Swedish person on World of Warcraft and that's how they used to pronounce my name because apparently in Sweden, that print, that spelling is how you would pronounce faith, F-E-J-P-A. Wow. And it just stuck since, so, and I like it. I'm glad I finally know the story. That's I just thought you were being trendy. Mm-mm. Is it trendy? Does it look trendy? I was like, oh, faith is different. <laughs> the way some people pronounce it as well. And some people actually think that's my name. Like when they message me, they'll, they'll write it like that. And I'll, I won't correct them because, you know what? They really think you're Swedish. Do I look Swedish? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they do. Maybe they do. I don't know. I really almost spat out this word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> No, no, black people in Sweden. Um, I don't know any, any personally, but I'm sure there's like a couple, you know. Oh, we're, we're everywhere. We find God. It's true, you know, especially in Nigeria. And I'm sure there's plenty of Nigeria. Oh, honestly. We're everywhere. <laughs> That's why I love it. I feel like every country, whenever we travel again in the future, I'll just try and find the black areas like when Omaladi told me about Black Paris I was like okay this is yeah. really Paris. I told myself I'll no, I'll never go back to Paris again but then I've clearly missed out a big part but then again I went to Afropunk and that was amazing so I feel like I that's true cool. you, you enjoyed it was amazing I wish I had people there with me but it's okay when when it's coming round don't worry I don't even know where I can go it's probably money it's always uh, money nobody could go that story in itself the fact that there was supposed oh, to be yeah, like seven of us. There was supposed to be seven of us. I was the only one. That was and then little by little, the numbers died. <laughs> oh, my God. But then I told myself, I have to go. I think, mm-hmm. I think I'd already bought the ticket for the festival. I was, I'm not sure. I, I think, think I my mom had already that. bought the ticket for the festival. And I was like, there's no way. I think it was even like, it was expensive. Maybe like £70 or something like that. So, I thought you'd say like in the hundreds. Oh no, that was yeah. listen. That was expensive. It's still expensive for me. No, no, that's fair. You know, money is relative. Everyone had paid for the Airbnb already. That's a good point as well. Uh, I, I was chopping people's money on top. I was thinking about that, like, because I saw you message in the group chat, and already I wasn't involved because I knew. I knew my money. I was like, I don't got this this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you were saying, wait, but you've already paid and people are dropping out, I was like, Ooh. wait, did you pay? No, because I, yeah, I, I my money was not involved. Yeah, I don't know. I, so I went to cool. Amsterdam for like a few like a few days before. Oh, yeah. that I was like, your, little, really your little video tour of your apartment. Yeah, oh, oh. I want to go back. Listen, I want to go somewhere. Really? Yeah, honestly, just travel in general. Mm-hmm. Maybe just maybe just stay somewhere in England. There's some nice beaches, but at the same time, I don't want to be on a beach right now. I really want to go to Cornwall. It just looks so beautiful. It looks nice. I've never been before, actually. 
Yeah, I want to go there, but this weather at the moment is so up and down. I'm confused yeah. about what it's trying to do. I don't know so. if you can hear the wind blowing in the background. I was wondering if you could hear the wind on my end. Because <laughs> I, I can hear, hear it. it. But at the same time, I was like, maybe it's me because it's mad. Mm. It's a bit mad. I was yeah, so lucky weekend that um, when, my, when it was my mom's birthday, it was like the one day that it was just... The wind was there. Happy birthday, mommy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Oh, oh my gosh, the cake. Oh, you're laughing. No, 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 no. Because the solution, when I saw the final pictures, I was like, that's a good solution. She fixed, she solved it for you. Wow. I, was, I saw the first picture, and then if you don't know, Cake, Cake, Faith, she had a birthday party for her mom last week, and she went to pick up this beautiful, like, is it three tiers? It was like three levels, right? It was two tiers, but the bottom, uh, the bottom tier was three layers, and it uh, was the bottom tier, the bottom layer of the bottom tier. When I was driving, okay, let me just. So I went, yeah, please tell I, the I went story. To this cake. I paid £85 for this cake. First of all, I don't know how much cakes are supposed to cost, but it sounded expensive. But, you know, it was like supporting their black business, small business. I was like, let me just pay because I had the money at the time. Went there. Cake looked beautiful, stunning. Picked up the cake. She told me, so we put the seatbelt on the cake. I went to my car. I tried to put put it on the seat. But the same day, I'd picked up a load of balloons. So my car Mm. was full. And you know my car is tiny. Were you in my car that time that when I was going into the speed bumps it was scraping the yeah. floor? <laughs> my car can only hold And then we were just hitting the speed bumps and I was like... Oh my God. There's only two seats in the back, but I assume that any car can fit three people in the back because that's normal. <laughs> Is it not standard that it's supposed to fit three people in the back? But anyway... If there aren't three seats, you know what? Why am I lying? Like, I haven't done it before. Okay. Exactly. You know those times in primary school when you're sitting on people's Wait, laps? <laughs> I have been in boots before. No. no. Wait. Thing. Listen, my mom used to have a car where you could remove the top of the boot. So yeah. it was like it was like a panel, and then the boot was, like, open. And then, basically, it was still a car, but, like, there was... <laughs> and she packed eight of us into the car, so, like, three of us in the back. Three of us, three of them were sitting in the boot, and then one person was in the front seat. How can you pack children into the boot like that? Because she she was taking us to family fun day at church. She couldn't, she wasn't doing two trips. It was in Hackney. We were embarking. She was like, I need to just take these people. So she just packed us into the car. I'm not even surprised to be honest. If my if my family members that used to pack me into the car had a boot big enough to fit someone in there, they would put us in the boot for sure. Yeah. It used to be like three people sitting on one person's lap. You do, you do what you, Bruh, you we do. We could never do that these days. Police will be signing before you even before you even pull out. <laughs> but anyway, let me go back. My car, my car, oh, long yeah. short, my car is very small. <laughs> so I tried to put the cake on the seat. It wasn't happening. So I had to put it on the floor. So I put it on the floor, passenger side. I was driving now. I looked, looked at the cake. It's fine. Keep driving. Went around the roundabout. Looked at the cake. The cake is leaning. Oh. The cake is leaning. I looked at the road, yeah, and I was like, no, my eyes are deceiving me. I look back at the cake. It's still leaning. I look at the road again. 
I said, God, glue this cake back together. The cake is broken in Jesus' name. I look back at the cake, it's sliding even more. Hmm? So you, you yelled a prayer. I prayed. Right. I, I was stressed. I was looking at the cake, like, how am I going to... First of all, I was, like, driving on dual carriageway, so there was nowhere for me to park to even attempt to put the cake back together. But then when I was looking at it, I was like, even if I tried to, I would have to, like, stick my hand in it to put it back together. I'll just do mm. damage. I need to be home and, like, have a couple spatulas and try and sway it out. So I just kept driving. I started talking to the cake, you know. I was like, so how are you leaving, though? <laughs> I was like, what did you take? You take cocaine? Why are you leading like that? I was just, honestly, I turned off the radio and I was just, I was just, I even felt like I should just park and just eat the cake. Because it was just done for. So I eventually got home, eventually got home and um, opened up the cake box and the whole cake just fell out. And um, yeah, it just fell into pieces. And then I looked, I just stood there. I literally just stood there. And I was just looking at it, like, how can I calculate this cake to make it back into a cake? Eventually, though, I managed to actually put it back together like jigsaw. So, mm-hmm. so like, I removed the bottom layer of the bottom tier and then, like, jigsawed the other two layers together because they weren't, they, they were damaged, like, they were torn apart, but they weren't, like, smashed. So I right. put it back together. And then I called up the cake lady and she said I should bring it back at six o'clock in the morning the next day, the day of the party. So I had to do that. And then she re-iced it. And I was sitting in a car park. I went to McDonald's. I was like, by the time I finish at McDonald's, maybe she'll be done. Called her. Oh no, I didn't call her. I took a nap. So I was like, this woman should call me when the cake is done. I took a nap for two hours. I woke up and I called her. And she was like, no, the cake was cold. It needs to go back to room temperature. So then I had to go home, meet like Bear in mind, my house is 45 minutes away. My mom's house is one and a half hours away. So I, oh. I was like, how am I going to go home and come back and pick this up and still go to my mom's house and put all of the decorations together? It's not possible. But we thank God my brother picked up the cake. So I went to my mom's house. I picked up Omalade. Shout out to Omalade. She helped with the And then, yeah, they brought the cake back. They couldn't put the two tiers back on top of each other because she said if I did, it will collapse. But... Mm. My mom had two cakes that looked pretty. So, yeah, that's it. That's the end of the story. It did look very nice. Did they taste good? It tasted so good. Yeah. You know what? My mom did a speech and she lied and she said that I made the cake. Then people were asking, oh. oh, my God, Faith, you made the cake. It tastes so nice. And I was like, oh, yeah. The wow. So you carried on, you carried oh, on the lie. You know what? I was caught off guard by the first person. And they asked me, did I make the cake? And I was like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm really bad at lying, you know. I'm really, really bad at lying on the spot. If you put me on the spot, like I had a meeting the other day, and um, Davino was in this meeting, and there was some, there was like this guy that came into the meeting, and um, he was a researcher, and I've been reading his research, and I was like, wow, it's really nice to see you here because I've been reading a lot about, I've been reading a lot of your research papers, and then someone was like, oh, is his, um, is his face as good as the, as good as the research? And I paused, I froze, because, actually, let me not say, in case somehow he watches this, let me not say too much, but, like, I just froze, and I was like, I'll think about it. Um, <laughs> Vino messaged me, and he was like, you did not just call this white man ugly. I was like, wait, people caught on to what? I don't know, I don't know about it. 
I try. <laughs> I'll I'll come back to the question. Let me just think about an appropriate answer. But yeah, never put me on the spot. This is a message to everybody and anybody who ever comes across me. Never put me on the spot because I cannot lie on the spot. I'm not good at that. So. I know who. Not, I hope I know who not to call to call on when I'm lying to someone about where I've been, even though I have used you as an excuse as to someone. Yeah, yeah, just tell me in advance. Like, message me first. <laughs> because if I'm on calls, you sh- like, oh, when's Blessing coming home? I, I know I have messed up. Yeah, you know you what? Yeah, I feel like in those situations, I'll be able to lie on the spot. I'm a really good liar, but mm-hmm. it's just like when I have to lie for someone else's, um, I don't know. If I don't really care. If I don't care, then... I can't lie. But if I care, I can lie. I don't know. I need to think about that, actually. There's something about me. I'm very good at lying. But in certain situations, like, I just I just you work where I can't. Figure it out and then get back to me with your parameters yeah. so I know what lies to involve you I'll in. You know. So I know how, how well you will defend the lie. Mm-hmm. But now that I know, now that I know, I will be using, I'll, I'll actually think of a story in my head from now. Mm. That's the word to use in case I do get that phone call. <laughs> Thank you. Man. I don't know how she'll call you because she does not have your number. Oh, that's a good point. Leave it that way, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, actually, I've been nah. I was I've been singing WAP a lot because I just I have and that just reminded me of something I was doing while singing WAP and that's the end. I didn't like it. That song. You didn't like it. It was okay. I listened to it once. You watched the video. Sound, yeah. Mm, you didn't like the video. The video is better than the song. The actual oh, song. It just doesn't sound. Just doesn't sound correct. Not the lyrics. Like I don't have a problem with the lyrics, but it actually just doesn't sound like they put that much effort into it. Hey, blessing is twerking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Sorry. Oh. Hmm? As as I was saying, um, it's see you right now. <laughs> What's the only Wait, yeah. I have to pay? Oh, I should I should get one of those. It's but I would just make it. I would, I would I would like pretend I was gonna start stripping. Then I just bring out my pots and pans and be like, "So today we're gonna make lemon and pumpkin." Yeah, because that is something that you would do. That is something you would do. So sure. you're going to need two and a half cups of flour. Oh my god! And I don't even get, and you know what? I I bet I'll make more money. I just start. I wear like one of those low cut aprons, and then the minute the ingredients come out, I pull the apron out. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you thought. I like you thought. <laughs> Not that kind of channel. I can imagine you just like you are undressing yourself, and then underneath, you know those aprons that have like breasts on it. Yeah. And then underneath. Just, just that's a good one. <laughs> no, that's a gift. Someone needs to do. Anyone so, who's uh, out there who wants to get a gift for me, that's a gift. Get me one of those. <laughs> gifts from them. Oh, speaking of boobs, my mom has been like on me to start wearing bras again, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm Why? Not. What's her reasoning? She, she, she finally gave me a reason. She was like, "Your boobs are gonna drop," and I was like, "Madam, have you seen them? They're already dropping." Listen. She's like. This will keep them off. And I'm like, it's too late for that. You should have come talk to me five years ago. Yeah, we boobs used to be normalized. I've noticed recently, like, most people's boobs are actually saggy. Honestly, I'm not... my breasts right now, but like, mine are down to my knees, bro. And I used yeah. to think it was weird. But like, now I'm seeing more people's breasts hanging, and I'm like, wow, like, it's let's unite. <laughs> 
just honestly the way like twins are like high five with the boob mm-hmm. because the number of people I only know like maybe two and I haven't seen many of my friends boobs but mainly but yes I know these people's boobs because I've seen them but yeah two of my friends have like pretty like perky boobs but most of the people I know they just be dripping and drooping and I only know like two people maybe three people with perky boobs and even some people I know with small boobs they're still saggy like, mm. it's not even a like, I don't... Gravity, gravity does what she does exactly and just genetics in general just bodies mm. like, maybe boobs were not meant to be perky they're probably they're not meant to be perky probably well, not they can be whatever they want but like the, the standard should not be perky yes. because mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense when a lot mm-hmm. of people have no perky boobs you know what I'm saying you know what that is you know, you know what that, that is and I saw that some fucking boobs. <laughs> and my mom was like, because I went to Tesco and as I was walking back home, she drove past in the car so she picked me up and she was like, Your book people would just be staring. I was like, Why are they staring in the first place? I saw about my bum. Because I haven't, no, I haven't reached Carla's but I've reached. She always, because my mom has a big bum, but she always wears um. She calls it girdle. It's like um shapewear basically, and she tells me I should never go anywhere without it because my bum is wobbling too much and people will be looking. Why are you looking? You like it? <laughs> if you like it, then look. If you don't like it, then look away. I don't really care. That's it's my exactly because it's my body part. So, and your eyes have somehow found themselves on my body part. So, what am I meant? Am I meant to contort myself so that my body does not move or hang the way that it naturally hangs just so that other people can't see? My mom used to do like, she'd always tell me to put like, uh, wear t shirts that are long enough to cover my bum, mm-hmm. like wrap my around and my bum. T shirts. Exactly. And I wouldn't, and when I got older and then I started wearing shorter t shirts, I was like, Oh, this is the, this is the wave because mm. for my life I just had t-shirts that come my bum and now I have t-shirts that reach like are above my waist. I'm like, this is not. Why didn't I exactly. do this before? Exactly. And you don't realize that the things that they've told you and put in your head, you just like. I started subconsciously doing. She didn't even have to tell me anymore. I would just be in my head. Oh, that t-shirt's too short. And now I'm like, but why though? Exactly. That's the question. Just question everything. But why? Or even don't question, just do whatever makes you happy. Literally, just yeah. do whatever makes you happy. If you want to buy Crocs, buy Crocs. Okay, wow. So you're doing your Crocs. Oh, listen, Faith has recently anyone, bought some anyone, Crocs. Crocs are amazing. Guys, I don't even, like, wow. Are you going to buy those pins that you stick in them? Like those, oh, I don't know what they're called, boggles or something? Have you bought them already? No. I'm trying to appreciate them in their natural state first for a little while. Let it just be me and my Crocs for a little. Okay. But honestly, I love them so much. Like you don't even understand. When I posted in the group chat, I was like, I was thinking about buying Crocs. It was literally a spontaneous idea that turned out to be a life, like life changing decision. I wear them everywhere. They're so comfortable. They fit like they're the exact shape of my foot. I don't understand how they did it. Crocs, you're amazing. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh god! But anyway, anyone who's thinking about Crocs, don't let anyone tell you different because we're <laughs> now, yeah. But now, look at me living my best life. Me and my Crocs, and look at them. Their foot is like bent up in their shoes, squeezed up in their shoe. 
My feet are not my feet are just flat anyway. I just I have, the flat, feet. They fit. I have flat feet. Bless and get crocs. Not doing it. Supporting. I'm, I'm not joining croc gang. Listen, right, okay. Cool. I'm, I'm just started figuring out what looks good on my body. Let me just leave my feet as is. Feet simple. Let me eat some black converses. It's fine. Some boots. It's fine. Okay. You'll get to Thank that. You. You'll get, you'll my get. little cousin came into the house with Crocs a few days ago and I was looking at them and I was like, hey, listen, <laughs> you and Crocs oh are my like, connect to my head now. Which it should be like that. They need to sponsor me. I'll, I'll be running. You're, the, you're currently their biggest advocate. So, you know, shout mm-hmm. out. Hey, Crocs. Um, not me. The My guest, Faith. You're Listen, you can do like a mask, a mask and croc collaboration. Your birthday, you know, Amy Crocs, and your life Sorry? has changed. I'm getting you for your birthday, okay? Okay, you know that's fine. I'm not spending money on them. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. It's okay. fine. Cool. I yeah, will accept them. Crocs for their birthday. They shall be my house shoes. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Outside. Who We're said? Doing... I did not agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, blessing. We have talked about a lot. We talked about mental health. We talked about we talked about about, um, being black in workplaces. We talked about what's that like equal playing field? I don't know what the term is. You know when people like hire people equality. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yes, racism in healthcare and institutionally. It's just about crocs. Yes. So, I thought you were going to leave that part out. I was going to say it. Leave it out. And if you just finished talking about so I may as well. This, this is about your mask. We just talked about Yeah, we talked about a lot. Saggy Breast Committee, gang gang. No bras here. It's fine. Live your life. Let them titties fly. And also, if you've, if you've got saggy boobs or if you've got really big boobs, um, my water necks that I make, they are specifically yes. for you. So make sure you follow my page because the testimonies that I've had, yeah, ah, you will never find a halter neck more comfortable. Yeah? Do you hear this? This, this is, is mm-hmm. this is quality. Yeah. Faith has created. She's creating a fashion line, mm-hmm. a brand. She's a brand. Faith mm-hmm. is a brand. Mm-hmm. But the girl, she have halter neck. You have mask. Mm-hmm. You have Bad. t-shirt. <laughs> oh yeah. cover. Listen, go on to Fave Etsy store. I promise you, you'll find something. Like, I ordered my second mask. It came on Monday. No, you know, not even Monday. It came on Saturday. And I was, like, excited because, like, mm-hmm, new mask, who this? <laughs> even me, I don't have I don't have masks. Actually, you know, I only have the ones that went really badly. And I keep them for myself. But I, I never make anything. Sustainable. Hmm? It's sustainable. It's You're not, like, wasting anything. You're keeping using things. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I'm ordering that hot neck like when pay payday comes. Which when is, is payday? I think I want to know. I need to do a survey so I can know. When bank do. holiday. I think it's like it's not going to be on the Monday, but for me, it would. It's usually the last day of the month. Okay. The last work day of the month. Oh wait, when is the bank holiday? It's this coming Monday. <gasps> oh my god, I'm off. Hey, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm off on Monday. Okay, I got Thursday, Friday, then I got my holiday. I'm hyped. I wanted oh to do like gosh. a carnival get together since carnival isn't happening, but don't know about that. Uh, why, but? Huh? Why, but? Why, why not? Oh, because I, ju- I just haven't been able to send messages out to people to ask them. I don't know. I mean, we can do it, but I just haven't. 
You know, I think there's actually a, um, on Sunday there's this like Notting Hill protest. They're calling okay. all black people out to come. It sounded like it might be carnival in disguise. I don't know. They're calling it a protest, the people's protest or something. But, Interesting. Yeah. I don't okay. know. I don't know if I'll go. I don't know if I've got time to go. But yeah, I'll oh, send no. the link. I'll send. Okay, the... please do. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Happy. Bank holiday weekend to everyone who's listening to this on the weekend. Happy what would have been carnival in London weekend, but it's not because you know we're gonna stay safe. But you know, celebrate with your friends, drink some rum in the in your garden or in your park, put on a costume, get your crocs on, play some soccer. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you just, I just heard that. Wait, you just not you know Ah, uh, you're not serious. <laughs>